You are listening to your home for Michigan Athletics, 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Located from the web at WCBN.org. 15 seconds remain. Hunwick has it. Forward to Tambellini. Tambellini, he'll shoot. Save there, and the rebound comes to Hunwick. Six seconds remain. Tambellini shoots and scores. It comes around to Jeff Tambellini at the near side circle with 5.3 seconds remaining. Tambellini gives the Wolverines a 6-5 lead. Well, uh, a little after 6.30 p.m., and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we're going to go over to Las Vegas, and we're going to smoke O.J. out of his hole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Dad Gummit. The new war on terrorism, the new... It's the new look. The media... You know, O.J. all the time again. Unbelievable. Well, uh, to be fair, uh, the Britney story is pretty played out. <laughs> That's right. She's run out of underwear. Unbelievable. But uh, this is the United States of America. And, of course, uh, the <clears throat> the Petraeus ad, unfortunately, got more uh, play last week than uh, the realities of the Iraq war. And it's quite disturbing that, uh, you know, over the weekend, the Bush administration, according to Wire Stories and the New York Times, is requesting an additional $50 billion for military operations in Afghanistan and Iraq and elsewhere. <laughs> With about a quarter That's a good of the catch-all for Yeah, us. That includes uh, Iran, probably. With about a quarter of the additional money going towards armored trucks built to withstand roadside bombs, according to Pentagon officials, which they uttered Saturday over the weekend uh, when nobody was paying attention. Unbelievable that uh, our country is being run by white, old white men that are drunken sailors uh, with our children's credit cards. I mean, the real discussion about the, the war in Iraq, and it's, you know, it's rather unfortunate that uh, there wasn't more focus on John Kerry's fairly interesting speech that I happened to catch about an hour's an hour of on C-SPAN on Thursday night when they were debating the one of the amendments that failed. Uh, that was the one that called for uh, deadlines, the Reed Levin Amendment. Carl Levin, our senator here from Michigan, advocated this strategy quite some time ago. Uh, instead, we're uh, sticking with the stay the course. And I brought the ad in, by the way. It's uh, it's interesting. It's got the splashy headline, but uh, the substance of the ad um, hasn't really been disputed. And I just wanted to uh, read the ad in question, the moveon.org ad. And needless to say, the, the, the day that it was published, I did give moveon.org a brain damage award, not... Uh, because I don't respect their agenda, but I knew that this was just going to be the massive distraction that it's been. And all the Republican presidential candidates have, uh, of course, uh, jumped on the bandwagon of attacking MoveOn.org, and they even had a resolution in Congress condemning MoveOn.org. 
Well, the the Demo- uh, the uh, Republican candidates uh, have to have something to talk about because they certainly can't talk about anything even remotely related to Bush. No. Uh, the ad reads, uh, General Petraeus is a military man constantly at war with the facts. In 2004, just before the election, he said there was tangible progress in Iraq and the Iraqi leaders are stepping forward, quote-unquote. And last week, Petraeus, the architect of the escalation of troops in Iraq, said, quote, We say we've achieved progress, and we are obviously going to do everything we can to build on that progress. (laughs) We say. Okay. Whatever. Um, Move on. Reports every independent report on the ground. Situation in Iraq shows that the surge strategy has failed, yet the general claims a reduction in violence. That's because, according to the New York Times, the Pentagon has adopted a bizarre formula of keeping tabs on violence. For example, deaths by car bombs don't count. The Washington Post reported that assassinations only count if you're shot in the back of the head, not in the front, which is a very interesting reference to the Kennedy assassination, if you think <laughs> <Indeed>. about it. <laughs> According to the Associated Press, there have been more civilian deaths and more American soldier deaths in the past three months than in any summer we've been there. We'll hear of neighborhoods where violence has decreased, but we don't hear that the neighborhoods have been ethnically cleansed. That's the substance of the ad. There's been nothing uh, reported by the Pentagon to refute any of those facts, and uh, it's just a sad day in America when uh, they're focusing more on a headline uh, in an ad, a $64,000 ad, and there was a controversy about that. Apparently, the New York Times muffed the uh, the charges involved, and they were supposed to be charged 128000 But I'd only like to point out that since the ad ran, um, dozens of American soldiers have died, hundreds of Iraqi civilians have died, and the war has cost America another $3 billion. Yeah, and uh, so where's the money to pay for the surge? Where is the money to pay for this war that's now uh, going to cost? Uh, it's already cost a half a trillion dollars, and estimates, of course, point out that it will ultimately cost America between one and two trillion dollars. And not only is the war going to get more expensive and more difficult to pay for as it continues to drag on, but as the status of the dollar as an international unit of exchange uh, continues to take hits. Um, Last week, for the uh, first time in 30 years, the Canadian dollar on par with the United States dollar. Um, Partly uh, due, of course, to uh, Canada's oil revenue, but also uh, just the general stability of a country that's involved in business rather than uh, war, endless war, at that. I wanted to briefly also talk about, that's for you, by the way. Herzog article there. Yeah, it's uh, something I brought in for you that you can (laughs) read at your own pleasure. Um, I wanted to talk very briefly also about the manipulation of economic statistics that the Bush administration has been engaged in recently. Um, of course, there's been mm, two months worth of uh, focus on the 
credit crunch here in America. And uh, the Bush administration, of course, conveniently came out with some statistics to bolster the uh, Federal Reserve's desire to lower those interest rates by a half point. Needless to say, I mean, all the experts point out that lowering the interest rates a half point isn't really going to ultimately do that much for the economy. These debt problems are going to continue. But I found it fascinating that just before the Federal Reserve met last week, the Labor Department uh, that is uh, run by Elaine Chow, uh, wife of Mitch McConnell, Republican majority leader, she came out with a report claiming that in August uh, inflation had dropped substantially and that including energy prices had dropped 13 percent uh including natural gas and of course the cost of natural gas for most consumers in august is sort of irrelevant right nobody's running uh heat in their homes obviously there's still some cooking going on and you know your hot water heater and whatnot but most people's gas bills uh in august are very low period so it's a fascinating uh, report. It, it claims that food prices and energy prices came way down in August, and therefore, inf- you know, the headline was inflation, not a threat. Well, this, of course, has been the big bugaboo that the Federal Reserve is interested in containing. Then, of course, there's the August jobs report that came out shortly before the um, Federal Reserve met last Tuesday, in which they not only cut the discount rate for uh, big banks in America— that's the rates that banks charge each other for overnight loans to keep the uh, the floating ship afloat. Bank of America right. borrows from Citibank, who borrows from J.P. Chase, who borrows from Credit Suisse, et cetera, et cetera. It's all a very interesting financial pyramid. But anyway, we have a jobs report that, that came out in uh, shortly after Labor Day on the uh, on the seventh uh, of September couple weeks ago. And the Labor Department, once again controlled by Elaine Chow, uh, reported yesterday that 4,000 jobs were lost from July to August and that the deepest cuts were in industries that are connected to the housing market like construction and manufacturing. The unexpected weakness, and I'm uh, reading here from David Leonard's and Jeremy Peters' article about the unemployment report, the unexpected weakness in employment changed the terms of the debate over the health of the economy. Before the report was released, most economists were predicting that the economy would add about 100,000 jobs in August and that growth had slowed but continued. Uh, No, I guess not. Um, Mark Zandi, chief economist at Moody's Economy.com, said, quote, if the economy is not headed towards a recession, it's very close to one, unquote. One of the most worrisome signs in the jobs report released yesterday was the government's revision of the employment data for June and July. The numbers show under just under 70,000 jobs being created in each of those two months. Initial estimates had been an average of almost 110,000 a month. So it's interesting that they revise the jobs downward <laughs> when they want the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates, which they've now done. Um, the question is, why were the jobs reports in June and July inaccurate to begin with? Uh, no uh, answers from the Labor Department. 
but convenient reports uh, just shortly before the Federal Reserve uh, was to meet last Tuesday. And needless to say, the uh, dollar uh, has come down in response to that, as you just mentioned. It's at a 40-year low, and one of the uh, similarities that I mentioned last week uh, under the heading of New Orleans accomplished, uh, Vietnam accomplished, my two little uh, <laughs> frameworks for how the Iraq War uh, is both different and comparable to the um, uh, Vietnam War. Uh, one of the one of the points that I made was a lowering a weakening of the American dollar mm-hmm. uh, was a factor in both wars, an ultimate factor. Back in the late 60s, it was the French, the British, and the Germans that began buying our gold uh, because we were on a fixed exchange rate at the time in the late 60s. You could uh, buy um, an ounce of gold for $35. So there was a run on American gold, and to avoid the uh, run on gold, uh, Nixon went off the gold standard and onto the floating dollar standard that we now operate under. Um, so it's fascinating uh, that these numbers seem to be used frequently to manipulate things. We've always seen um, job, quote, increases shortly before elections. And then, of course, the jobs are actually revised downward after the election, similar to the way this was manipulated here. And needless to say, what's interesting about this and I have another, and I'll bring this in at some point, was how a jobs, report, a jobs report in March of this past year was manipulated by the Labor Department. Uh, this came out in uh, connection with, quote, increasing worries about the subprime problem and delinquency, mortgage delinquency defaults, et cetera, et cetera, that was beginning to lower the stock market in February. Well, to counteract that problem, <laughs> the Labor Department came out with a spectacular jobs report in March. And if you go back and you check the data, the stock market, the S&P, the NASDAQ has been sort of flat for quite some time. So the S&P and the Dow, and the S&P is the S&P 500, they both went right straight up after that. Uh, so it's very interesting um, to look at how the Labor Department really operates, and whether these uh, jobs reports and, quote, inflation reports are, in fact, accurate. Um, needless to say, in recent days, we've seen the global price of oil go to all-time highs. Gold as the dollar, too. yeah, gold is going way up, the dollar is coming down, and usually you do have a direct relationship between the dollar and the price of oil. When the dollar is coming down, the price of oil is going up. When the dollar is coming down, gold is going up. So um, we'll see how they uh, get out of this one. But uh, many economists are looking at this next uh, jobs report in October to determine whether or not, as Mark Zandi put it, if the economy is not headed towards a recession, it's very close to one. Well, recession talk creates a sense that the Federal Reserve needs to be more focused on lowering interest rates rather than fighting the inflation bugaboo, which is usually their obsession. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I would argue the Federal Reserve has been overly focused on the inflation bugaboo and uh, are simply not taking into consideration all of the um, 
real costs involved with the consumer price index and what the real rate of inflation are. I've believed for quite some time that the inflation rate in America is actually significantly higher than the government reports because the government um, just simply doesn't take into consideration um, important aspects of, of how consumers are confronted with rising costs of things like health care. Um, education costs, we, we saw many universities, for instance, here in the state of Michigan unilaterally bump up tuition uh, in September due to the fact that this uh, Michigan state legislature can't pass a budget and the Republicans are in their uh, no, no new taxes uh, mode. Scary stuff. Yeah, it's frightening to think that uh, those processing the uh, official reports could be fudging it. But not too surprising either. Uh, boy, it's probably worth mentioning the um, unilateral air strike uh, in Syria. Yeah. Made by Israel over the last week. This whole thing is rather murky. Rather murky. And uh, they appear to have uh, gotten away with one. What was hit? Why was it hit? Uh, what? Uh, I mean, uh, why isn't there any response to it? Yeah, exactly. The oh. whole thing is just, uh, it's kind of a non-story, but really you've got a invasion of uh, sovereign nations airspace. You've got the dropping of uh, live munitions. And uh, bizarrely enough, in an article from the uh, Financial Times, this is last Friday's, uh, this is the first print reference I found to this story. Um, and according to this article, which is by Dmitry Sevastopolo, uh, it was uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, good old uh, boo-boo, uh, the Israeli opposition leader who yesterday appeared to confirm reports that Israeli fighter jets had earlier this month launched strikes inside Syria. Um, and I just wondered, well, that's kind of random. In what capacity did he appear to confirm mm -hmm. um and you know this is rather strange and of course the uh, as the story goes that um they they shared information with the united states before the strike was made and apparently washington green lighted it is really what it appears uh to be yeah and the and the rumor and and the the, the cover story is is that this was either a nuclear facility of, of some sort, a you know, nuclear research facility and or a chemical weapons uh, facility. But what's the evidence of it? Well, according to this article in the Financial <laughs> Times, scant information provided by administration officials about the alleged nuclear cooperation has prompted many experts to shower strong skepticism on the claims. Um Joseph Serencioni, uh, a director of the Nuclear Policy at the Center for American Progress, says um, that it's fairly well documented, the uh, status of the uh, Syrian nuclear research program. He said, universities have larger nuclear programs than Syria. Mm -hmm. um, so indeed, there's very little evidence. And then we have this little tete-a-tete um, -tete uh, between Iran and Israel at the um, in Austria um, not Australia the, no no not Australia <laughs> yeah the European country of Austria yes 
um, at the uh, meeting of the International Atomic Energy Association. And the article itself is fairly bizarre. It's from uh, September 22nd by George Yan and headlined in the Ann Arbor News, Israel, Iran in War of Words. And this is what George Yan has written. Israel accused Iran of lying Friday while Tehran challenged the international community to send UN inspectors to probe its arch rivals' nuclear capabilities in a rare and bitter direct confrontation. Arch rivals? I, I really don't think that Israel is Iran's arch rival. I think if there is a country that's the arch rival of Iran, it would have to be the United States, right? Uh, the, the great Satan now, admittedly, the... Uh, president of uh, Iran, Abunajad, is uh, is a knucklehead and has uh, said some ridiculous things. But this article goes on to say, uh, it's talk interestingly about Israel's nuclear program. Uh, the exchange came after Iran's chief delegate, Ali Soltanea, said that Israeli Prime Minister Ehud Olmert had acknowledged last year that his country possesses nuclear weapons, something Olmert says he never did. But you remember that, right? Mm -hmm. He actually did slip and say, uh, acknowledging, uh, although it's been, you know, the uh, custom to proceed as though they don't have any, which this article goes on to comment upon, uh, George Yan's article, Israel's doctrine of, quote, nuclear ambiguity, close quote, that is neverly formal, never formally confirming or denying that it has such weapons, is meant to scare potential enemies from considering an annihilating attack while denying them the rationale for developing their own nuclear deterrent. But if Israel's going to accuse uh, every country around them of pursuing a nuclear deterrent, then the doctrine of nuclear ambiguity is completely pointless. Right, because other nations could adopt that doctrine. And it's very interesting. The American government, of course, has been concerned about Israel's nuclear... Um, proliferation plans dating back to the Kennedy administration. There's yeah. a very interesting change in policy regarding uh, that um, over time. Uh, John F. Kennedy was actually very concerned about the uh, relationship between Israel and South Africa and the development of a nuclear bomb. But it, it seems quite obvious that over time, um, particularly when Nixon came into power and subsequent Republican administrations, there's been a... Uh, a blind eye to that issue. The Syrian thing is interesting for all sorts of reasons, and of course, it remains a little unclear what was hit, why it was hit, though apparently something was hit. It strikes me that, A, it's almost as if it's a trial balloon for the United States. Yeah. Um, Dick Cheney's uh, desire to attack Iran on specious grounds. Um, it's... <laughs> Very unclear exactly what Iran's nuclear power uh, and bomb program is really all about, but most experts claim, anyway, that it's quite many years away, and there have been various negotiations regarding um, their desire, and I'm talking about the Iranians' desire to develop nuclear energy, which is what they claim they're doing. There's that issue, and then, of course, there's the issue of Syria itself. Um, it's quite clear from all of the real Middle East experts that, uh, and, and here I'm deferring to, for instance, Juan Cole of the University of Michigan. He keeps talking about what's really needed, and Kerry talked about this, by the way, in his Senate speech, which I found to be a profound analysis of what was really going on in the Middle East. Mm. 
he shot down most Republican arguments and pointed out that al-Qaeda in Iraq is not the problem. It's a political problem and that Syria actually is needed in comprehensive negotiations to solve the Iraqi problem and that the United States as recommended by the Baker Commission, of all things, needs to directly talk to Syria. But there's a kind of a, I don't know what to call it, a bubble bubble boy um, fantasy world that Bush and Condoleezza Rice live in uh, regarding our progress in Iraq, our, our tangible progress, whatever that might be. Well, and also <laughs> it's a, frightening. a grudging disregard for statesmanship for actual you know contact um of course there's going to be disagreements among you know adversaries there's disagreements among friends but uh you you have to have face-to-face meetings face-to-face meetings and regional meetings that also bring in iran i mean there's a very uh, interesting new article in the current uh, new york review of books by peter galbraith about how the entire iraq fiasco has, has benefited iran and that Iran essentially controls potentially a Shiite region that, that now goes into Saudi Arabia, that goes from Saudi Arabia through Iraq to Iran. Uh, it's, a, it's a sort of a unified Shiite uh, uh, concept that, incidentally, the neoconservatives have been blind to and wrong about from day one. Yeah. And it's a fascinating discussion of the potential uh, for problems in Saudi Arabia with their Shiite populations and how the Saudi kingdom doesn't even take a census of that area because they don't want to reveal how many Shiites really live there. That country is large, I mean, as countries are traditionally defined, is largely an illusion. So, you know, the Bush administration crying foul about um, Iran's role in the region is 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 bizarre. I mean, if, well, it is to be fair, their region. Yeah, it is their region. But if you want a solution in Iraq, you have to do a negotiation of some sort with them. And then this raises the question: Well, why are we propping up Shiites in Iraq, which is what the Bush administration is doing? You can't complain about Iran on the rise in the region because of your own incompetence and your own war that's created these ethnically cleansed areas. Uh, it was widely reported, for instance, in Kerry's speech, which I thought get back to, because I think uh, if people can recheck that out, on, I'm sure on, on the web uh, under the C-SPAN um, uh, moniker, uh, to go back and check out the Thursday night speech because he, he talks specifically about Baghdad being ethnically cleansed, that Baghdad is now a Shiite city thanks to um, the inaction of the United States military for, for way too long. And while we've contained some areas of Baghdad with our quote-unquote surge, what we've done is enabled the Shiites to take over the city for all intents and purposes. And it's actually the Sunnis that have been moved out by these various militias. There are factions of Shiite militias that, that are under nobody's control. So, yeah, the mess in Iraq is the uh, 800-pound gorilla in the room. And, of course, I mentioned the 800-pound gorilla because I was amused by this uh, item from Lansing, Michigan, about the 900-pound oh, man rescued. He's the, the forklift, yeah. Yeah, he's the 900-pound man in the room <laughs> who can't get up or out 
I'm just going to read this because uh, there's an element of humor involved with this. City firefighters used a forklift <laughs> to remove a 900-pound man from the second-floor bedroom of his home. Rescue workers were called in Tuesday by a visiting nurse who determined that the 33-year-old man needed medical help. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little psychological help, too. <laughs> Um, Cochran said the man had not left his home since 2003. The man's brother, who lives with him, said that his brother suffers from Prater-Willi syndrome, a rare genetic disorder that creates a chronic hunger feeling that can lead to overeating and life-threatening obesity. The extraction took more than three hours. Rescue they had to work. cut a wall, a hole yeah, in the wall. brought in a, tele, a telescopic reach forklift high enough to raise a platform to a hole and cut into the wall of the house. They uh, covered the man with a blue tarp to shield him from onlookers. I don't know if this can be made into a, a cartoon or a movie, but the 800-pound gorilla in the room has now turned into the 900-pound man. Well, I must say it's very thoughtful of the uh, firemen there in Lansing. I know of firemen in Lansing, actually, um, to have uh, given the guy a little shred of decency there. But uh, that story, while it is uh, quite humorous, is also very sad. <laughs> very sad. But uh, And what yeah. the heck is a telescopic forklift? A telescopic reach forklift. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Maybe they can forklift Dick Cheney out of his undisclosed location <laughs> at some point. And then this bizarre item from St. Patty's Day of 2006. It says, Remy Martineau Leroy, whose parents' bodies had been frozen for years in the hope that they may one day be brought back to life, said he finally cremated them this month after the freezer system failed. <laughs> this happened in the Loire Valley, uh, and the uh, <clears throat> refrigerator crypt broke down. So just imagine sort of a, a creamsicle <laughs> that's melting. I'm melting. Flesh melts right off the bone. And then it's put into a... <clears throat> Toasty fire. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um, I guess they're not going to meet Michael Jackson. <laughs> well, maybe it's not too late. Hold the phone. In the afterlife. <laughs> Isn't he an advocate of cryonics? Probably. Uh, he seems to be an advocate of everything that sounds sketchy. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and uh, this is Gray Matters. We're going to keep going. Uh, Yazoo City Calling will, however, uh, be joining us shortly. Oh, let's see here. <clears throat> the uh, Blackwater videotape could prove to be rather an embarrassment. Uh it has yet to be seen, as far as I know, but apparently uh, there is some sort of civilian videotape footage of a shooting. Not to uh, go back to the serious stuff after a couple of laughs, but uh, there's nothing too wacky about private security firms uh, randomly shooting people. Uh, this uh, company, by the way, this is not just a random happenstance, has been involved in six other fatal shootings, including an incident February 7th. Uh, outside of Iraqi state television in which three building guards were fatally shot. I mean, 
they're building guards, right? So they're by the doors and everything, and they're probably holding guns, as a number of people are apparently in Baghdad. And uh, these private uh, security firms, who knows what law they operate under? I mean, Well, that's the thing that's very troubling. It's Paul Bremer, the old... Uh, 